When life happens, plans need to change. Shaping Change, hosted by certified financial planner Ross Marino, is dedicated to helping financial advisors better serve their clients when life takes those unexpected turns. Today, I am joined by Lisa Kirschenbauer with Omega Wealth Management. Hello, Lisa. Hey, Ross. How are you? I am good. Glad to have you on this morning. Now, you're, uh, you're not in the South right now, are you? Um, well, I'm actually in Arlington, Virginia. I don't know. It's technically the, the South. Um, but uh, yeah, and, and we're having sort of cold weather here. Um, it's, it's like winter all of a sudden. It happens. All of a sudden you wake up and realize, I really should have put on a jacket before I walked to my car this morning. <laughs> so let's start off with your history as a financial planner. And I know you started in the 1980s, you got your CFP, but when we spoke earlier, you mentioned doing seminars for AOL employees during the dot-com bubble and before and after and how that really influenced your path as a financial planner. So would you mind sharing what you went through during that time? Yeah, I, I was lucky enough to have an opportunity um, where AOL started to bring in a bunch of financial professionals to try to educate their employees about money. And, and um, at the time, the sudden wealth that they were experiencing from their stock options um, taking off before, of course, they went the other direction. And so I started doing a series of like women in investing um, and other sort of financial planning seminars. And, and you know, they were well received. Um, I started to gain clients. Um, and these were these were you know, these were not the executives. These were the middle management people who were making $50,000 a year, you know, 20 years ago. And they would have two, three, five, seven million dollars before taxes of stock options. This is money they were not familiar with. It was absolutely sudden, sudden wealth events. And um, I realized as I started talking with them, there was a whole bunch of actual realizations. One was that when you have a sudden wealth event, it's not just about the money. Sure, it is about the money. There's a lot to think about. You need to build a team. There was a lot of financial education I had to do. But it was also, this was life-changing money. They could choose to do something completely different with their lives. And I realized that while I had the technical training to guide them, there was something missing. There was, there was something out there was another conversation I needed to be having and, and to some extent intuitively you know I, I would get into that and, and I would talk about it but I didn't have any real training or any tools to, to really help guide me. Um, I also at that same time realized that a an AUM business model um, was not necessarily the best model because sometimes the best thing to do for the client was to keep the money in the stock or in the stock options and not get them to liquidate it so I could manage it so I could get paid. So um, simultaneously, I was realizing that I needed to approach clients differently, especially if I was going to be working with clients with these sudden wealth um, experiences and events, and that I probably needed to start thinking about changing my business model. And, and that makes a lot of sense. I think for a lot of planners, we have a period in time where all of a sudden we realize the numbers, the Excel spreadsheet, it's just not enough. And it can be an uncomfortable place because we have people where we know they need help and we're not really sure where to take them. We can have conversations, but how much value can I really add if, if I'm not really sure what you're supposed to do? Because a lot of these questions, they're not driven by a spreadsheet. And when you go through that, 
that's when you have your maybe aha moment or epiphany and you realize, you know what, I've got to add some skills. I've got to figure out what's missing. And you said that specifically to me is that you knew something was missing. You had to find out what was going on. Took you down a couple paths. Can you share what that was? Yeah, you know, it's it, it's interesting. It, it took me until 2002 and I was at a conference in Arizona called The Next Big Thing. Um, and they would have these gatherings once a year in a nice location and bring a number of speakers in. And that one in 2002 was really pivotal, um, pivotal because um, it, I met Susan Bradley, I met Courtney Poland, I met Dick Wagner, and I realized there was this whole, and they were talking about, um, I think facilitating family meetings or talking about family wealth. And, and I, of course, which is all, you know, more than money. Certainly there's the whole technical side, but, but they were really going at it from a different direction. And I thought, oh my God, this is my tribe. I found it. You know, these are the people. Um, and so um, from that, I started to, to connect um, with Susan and, and, and I, I ended up um, working with Courtney about eight years later um, as a coach, but, um, but got to know him through the, the community. And so, so I, I at least found the tribe. It took me another two years till 2004 when I uh, did some training um, first with Susan, um, Susan Bradley, and, um, and that was the early training. It was a lot different than the training we do now. We didn't have all the process we have now. We didn't have a lot of the tools that we have now, but it was just getting that understanding of how to approach money more than just as a, a technical, uh, you know, uh, an end um, versus a, you know, a means to an end. And um, also um, did some training uh, with the Kinder Institute and with uh, George Kinder. Um, all of that happened very quickly. And in that same year, um, I changed my business model. Um, and I went independent and left my broker dealer. So I, I became independent. Um, we changed our business model. And um, I went through all of this training um, with both Susan and, and George. So it was, a, it was a big year of change. And, and, and it took a while to start to incorporate all of that. Um, but now I had something to work with. Now I had, um, I, you know, I, what we've talked about a little bit is um, the beginnings of the skills, because the skills are at least as important, if not more important than the tools. I know as planners, we're, we're always into the tools, but in fact, it's really about the skills. I could have these different conversations and feel more confident about where they might go and how I might respond and how I could support clients going through transition, trying to find meaning in their life um, while also being a financial planner to them. I think that's a, a great differentiation between skills and tools. And as I was listening to you, my thought was, is when I first went through the financial transitionist program, I remember just wanting to know what are the tools? What's everybody using? How do you use this? And as you start using them and you learn, you realize that it's my skills that matter the most and the tools are there to support my conversations and help people stay on track. But I think initially, because that's what you referenced as advisors, we want the tool. 
because we know it'll help guide the conversation. It's a process. And I certainly had that perspective going in, but as soon as you start learning it, you realize, no, the, what really matters is, is how I'm thinking, how I'm guiding a conversation, my perceptions, my different skills, how I'm listening. The tools all are all there for support and they're fantastic, but that's really not it now, or it's really not most important. Your firm is Omega Wealth Management. I, I looked up, I love some of the print that you had on your website, but I had to start with the name. Why Omega? So um, interestingly, another four years later, um, in 2008 um, was when we changed the name of the firm to Omega. Um, the thing, because it used to be Kirschenbauer Financial Management and Consulting. And so I had gotten some, yeah, you know, I, I wanted to get my name off of it right. and I wanted it to be more meaningful. And the inspiration for Omega um, came from um, a, a, a weekend retreat that I did at Omega Institute up in upstate New York. And I was there for, actually, it was my first meditation retreat. And, um, and I, I, I was just reading the materials about Omega, and they referenced the idea of Omega Point. And if you actually go to Google it, you'll see these, um, these uh, graphics or visuals of this sort of swirling, um, uh, sort of upwardly swirling, um, you know, whatever you would call it. And... Um, what it means is Omega point is the point to which all life is evolving. And I thought that is it. That's, that's what we're trying to do with our clients. We're trying to help them evolve and take their lives to a higher place. Um, and I'm not talking in terms of religion or spiritual, but, but something sort of just deeply meaningful. And so, you know, I'm wearing my Omega um, uh, gear today and you can see the swirl that's part of our logo um, but, but that's where the inspiration came from. And, and it was also honestly a completely practical um, idea to take my name off of the business so um, that hopefully I was building something with future owners um, that, that would come in and it wouldn't have my name on it. Yeah, and that's definitely the way to do it. And I, I, I think that's, uh, it's a great name. It's a great concept. We're definitely all evolving. We're evolving. We're moving forward. Uh, before we get into some of the skills that you use, uh, there was one thing that jumped out on me at me on your website, and that was that you're always looking to figure out with someone what's the next step. And we're goals-based financial planners. That's kind of how we grow up. You know, what do you want to do when you retire? When do you want to retire? How much money should we have? All these future goals out there that we come to realize probably aren't going to happen the way we thought. And that's okay. It just doesn't play out that way. And as life disrupts, you kind of get to the point of, I don't know what's going to happen 10 years from now. I've just got to figure out what to do next. And you're, you're real forthcoming with that message. How'd you get to that place? And, and how do you work through that with clients who really want to plan and they want to know the future? Yeah, you know, I think part of our job, Ross, is, is to, uh, especially as I think about recently with the pandemic, is how can we help our clients learn to be flexible and resilient? Because stuff does happen, right? Um, you know, clients may come to us not in transition, more traditionally trying to plan their future, and then stuff happens. And I'm always, you know, it's always fascinating in those conversations with clients, because sometimes if they've never worked with an advisor before, they'll think, well, I'm going to get my plan together, and then I'm good, right? Like, 
I'm going to take my plan. Thanks for your help, Lisa, and see ya. And you know, we've had clients leave after a couple of years who really didn't get that planning is a journey. And um, the clients who've stayed have come to realize that, yeah, they thought they were moving down the path and then you know, a spouse dies or um, a, a family member dies and then now they've inherited or they've lost their job or they have a medical issue that completely changes the direction of their life. Um, and so, you know, helping clients be prepared for change, I think is really important. Getting flexible, you know, you're still looking forward, um, but maybe not worrying so much about the long term, you know, part of it is helping them live more in the present, be more intentional. Um, and then we're there, you know, we always say, you know, we're worrying about the future. We, we've got to, you know, we've, we're running those numbers. We're thinking, um, as one of my clients said, what that we do well is that we look to mountaintops ahead. That's good. But the client doesn't have to look to mountaintops ahead. They just you know, they, they can be climbing up the, the current mountain. We're looking ahead to the next one. Um, and it's a partnership together. But as much as we can help them, you know, be more present and intentional in their, their lives, in their careers, um, and yet help them be ready um, for the unexpected. I think if we can do all that, we're doing a good job. No doubt about it. And it's the life-changing moments that really shake people where, all you can really do is focus on what's next because we may not have a clue five years, 10 years. They certainly don't. It, it's challenging. I just had a call uh, with a client who's successful, decisive, and he was saying, and it kind of made me chuckle and he was laughing too, is that I'm never indecisive. I, I always make up my mind. I, I know what I need to do. I do it. And he had just gone through multiple transitions and he's saying, here's a couple things. I really don't know which way to go. And it's because the spreadsheet didn't help. The numbers weren't enough. It wasn't a purely financial decision. So not only did the math not help or the numbers help, you really couldn't look at traditional goals and what he was thinking, his family was thinking a few years ago because everything was changed. And that's just how it goes. Doesn't matter what your IQ is. Doesn't matter how resilient you are. When life happens and plans change, you've got to sometimes start from scratch because you, your framework for how you made decisions just shifted. And that's not an easy thing for people to go through. Certainly challenging for us as planners. We need certain yep. skills. We need things that we don't have just coming through the CFP program. What do you think we really need? Well, I think the example you just gave is really um, interesting. And it, and it does go, I think your, your understanding and, and guidance goes to these skills and the training that we've had. Um, when someone's just gone through a whole bunch of transitions, one of the things we know as certified financial transitionists is that sometimes there is decision fatigue, right? Um, that that um, being in a fog, feeling indecisive, even when you've normally been decisive, is actually par for the course. And one of the most important things we can do is to help a client normalize the transition experience, the four stages that we talk about, the, the, the different emotions they may be feeling. Um, I, I think that's some of the most valuable work that we do is, is helping them realize, hey, it's okay. It's okay if you're having a hard time deciding. You've just had all these transitions. Maybe we need to, we need to call a timeout. You know, um, the, the, that whole idea of that decision-free zone um, 
and, and, you know, just put everything on paper and maybe we can start to prioritize. Even if we come up with three things that we think we're supposed to do now, maybe we need to take a break. We just need to take a break from um, worrying about deciding. And so that's, you know, that's something that um, I think our training really helps with. So what you're telling me is when we're in uncertainty, I may not be able to achieve certainty when we're not sure what the plan is. You can't really give me a plan sometimes because life's in flux and I need to be able to be present in the moment as a client, let's say, and be okay with that. And for a type A person, that's not an easy thing, Lisa. Um, it isn't. And, you know, as, as, as a planner, what can be hard sometimes, um, but I've gotten a lot more comfortable with is that sometimes we're just, we're being paid to just be there. Yeah. We're not being paid to do anything. We're not running numbers. We're not making investment decisions. Um, we're not worrying about tax planning. We are literally just there to be the client's sounding board, thinking partner, um, hold their hand, remind them it's okay if we're doing nothing right now. And, and, you know, when you first come into this work, it can feel as a planner, very unsettling because you feel like I'm getting paid and I should be doing something. And of course, I just said the word that we really have tried to abolish from our practice should. Um, we don't want to should all over people. And, um, and, and, you know, that takes some, that's part of the, the training and the inner, the inner skills that you need to develop is to get, okay and comfortable and confident with just being there for the client is enough. And it might go on for months. It might go on, especially, you know, maybe a widow, it might go on for a year and that's okay. That's okay. You had said that you want to help people organize now for the life you want to live. I, I got so many nuggets from your website, Lisa, J just loved it. So please don't go to my website a month from now. Um, Cause I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's not late. No. <laughs> It's, it's just great because that's, we have to frame things in a way when people are in these transitions where they want that certainty, they want to know where are we going, we, we have to take time, but to shift it from making a plan to just that simple word, and, and Michael Kitsis talks about this, is get organized instead of data gathering. I thought, is it semantics? Yes, and I love it, right? It, it's helpful for people. And that's really what you just said is let's help people get organized for the life you want to live. It doesn't mean I'm necessarily making big decisions. When you go through that with clients, do you, do you see a shift maybe in anxiety or pressure they're feeling when they realize, okay, we're just going to get organized. Let's take this one step at a time. Yeah, I, there's uh, often, uh, um, and I'm thinking of the two clients that we've onboarded this year. Um, I think it's a sense of relief. Um, that, okay, all right, that's all we're trying to do. Um, because they may not be capable of big decisions right now. Um, and literally, we, we may not be at a point we can even make a decision because we are still getting organized. So two of the clients I'm thinking about, um, very interesting circumstances. One um, is a, a widow, um, a young, I would say a young widow um, at, at 54, um, which is a little lower than the average age of widows across um, the whole experience from what we know from our training. Um, and she lost her husband of 57 um, back in June um, to cancer. And it was a very quick moving cancer. Um, he handled all the finances. Um, 
and which was, you know, sort of a typical thing. She had raised the kids and, and um, actually um, is, is a, I'm a hospice chaplain. So she actually has a lot of the same training, but now here she is, tables completely turned and just didn't know where to start. Like, where do I start? What do I do? Um, and uh, um, it, it, we've had to break it into bite-sized pieces. I mean, it's all the training we have that, you know, meet regularly, short agendas, not too long of a meeting, you know, bite-sized amounts of things that we're trying to tackle. Um, and, and then start to develop a list of what needs to happen when and, and be able to come, come back and forth to that. Um, but sometimes she would come into my office and it was just a bad week and we would just talk, you know, and, and so, so that organizing piece, though, has been really valuable to her. In fact, I spent literally an hour and a half, actually two and a half hours this week, but an hour and a half yesterday with her on the phone to one of the financial institutions where we needed to do a whole bunch of um, consolidating and getting information and um uh, you know, um, that's what I needed to do. That's where my real value was at this point in time was around that getting organized, holding her hand, helping to guide her on what, what was next, right? The, the other um, client situation is very interesting because it's a widower and his daughter. And, um, and, and, and the daughter came from the, the, the marriage, um, but mom handled all of the finances. Uh, she was in the middle of settling her own mother's estate. So they have two estates that they're trying to settle. Dad has no idea what was going on with the finances. Seems quite disorganized. And he's, he's a great example of all the things that we see, the fog, um, having a hard time you know, deciding on things, very hard time getting organized. Um, one of my colleagues, who's also a CFT, went over to their house to try to help them find documents. I mean, literally, we are trying to find documents. And at first, we couldn't find the will. We couldn't find the trust. Uh, so, um, And we're going to go back to their house again next month because he hadn't been opening the mail. He hadn't been paying the bills. And his daughter has had to step in. So um, we're having to counsel and coach them very differently because the daughter is sort of on it and and can operate with a you know tell me what I got to do next and I'll make the phone calls and everything dad is just completely shell-shocked um and and so it's been fascinating um because um it, it's good that we're a team of two doing this two CEFTs because dad is is gravitating more to my colleague um whereas the daughter is gravitating more to me um, for direction. And so it's, I'm glad that there's two of us, not one of us, um, trying to tackle all of this. But what a, a fantastic example of, yes, we're just trying to get organized. We're not trying to figure out what we should sell, what we should transfer. Um, we, again, we had to have a meeting with the estate, um, with their new estate planning attorney, because we got to figure out all the administration stuff for grandma. I mean, um, but this is our highest and best use. And for a traditionally trained planner, they would really be at a loss because they'd be like, well, we, you know, we need to we need to get accounts set up and we need to do X and we need to we can't. We, we've got we got to we've got to settle 
the other estate because then part of it flows into moms before we can settle moms. And, and mom was very clear about separating what her husband got from what her, her daughter is getting all the inherited money. Dad is getting the, let's call it the, the corporate benefits. Um, and it's, it, for him, it's, it's feeling like a sudden wealth event because he's getting a bunch of life insurance. He's getting a bunch of retirement assets. And, and, and again, he's not the one who paid the bill. So all this money stuff just is not quite computing for him. So a lot, lot going on, really having to bring our skills and, and to do that organizing work. And literally, yes, what's the next step? Not the next 10 steps, but literally the next one or two steps. That's all we can do. My first case of overwhelm was the late 1990s, a family friend hadn't opened mail for a while, was a widow for, I don't even remember, two years, three years, uh, was doing okay and called us in to help. And we just wanted to go through her mail and help her out. We made 33 different piles of accounts and insurance uh, policies. I, I, and then I started opening the mail, but just the piles alone, or that was the end result. It was 33 piles of different accounts and insurance policies. And this is someone who really wasn't engaged in the financial process. And I didn't immediately say, let's transfer accounts back then. So at least I didn't quite have the skills, but, but I was at least smart enough to realize this is serious. Didn't quite understand what was going on, but, but knowing that this person was paralyzed, had been for years, but you know what? The money that coming into the checking account, it paid the bills. So it was okay. I'll worry about whatever tomorrow. Well, after two or three years, you, you realize, okay, I, I think I need some help here. And just being able to recognize that is it's not an easy thing, but it takes training and then how to work with those people. Now, as we wrap up, any advice for financial planners who are thinking, I really need to do a better job in this area. I need some insight. What do you think they should do? Yeah, I mean, I think the bottom line is in 2021, you need to have these skills. It's not good enough to just manage money. You're a commodity bringing in this, this personalized sensitivity to your work. Um, lots of people go through transition. That's most of the time why clients come to us. And so having actual skills and training and tools is absolutely critical if you are going to be successful in, in the business, in the profession going forward. And obviously, I'm a big believer um, in the Financial Transitionist Institute the work we do there, the community is awesome. It's an evolving community. It's an evolving learning community. Um, but you got to get the training um, and you got to come open to, to change your view, to change how you think about how you run your business, change how you think about clients and your interaction with them. And you're going to get all of that um, with that training. Lisa Kirschenbauer, Omega Wealth Management. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks, Russ. Thank you for listening to Shaping Change with Ross Marino. This show is for general information purposes only and is not intended to provide recommendations or advice. Speak with a legal, tax, or financial advisor before making any decisions. Past performance references are historical and do not guarantee future results. Visit rlsummit.com to learn more.